Welcome to Rival Reviews. My name is Abir. And I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where we review, discuss, and ultimately debate our favorite... And don't forget our least favorite... Movies and television shows. Really not that great at remembering anything as people are going to get to know... It's your love of the halfling leaf, that's what it is. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. It makes it makes no sense. I also he's a wizard. Yeah, but he's like, oh, these are Roscabel rabbits. All right, they're still rabbits, and these are like wargs trained to hunt and kill things. Oh my god, I was not expecting to see <laughs> dwarf butt. Well, you, you I didn't. Was not you e- saw bad cartoons drawn of dwarf butts. <laughs> is what you saw. He had figured it out, which was when he takes the ring off and exposes himself to the dwarves. Yeah, I wouldn't say it like that. In this episode of Rival Reviews, Abir and I travel to Middle-earth for The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. It turns out that Abir, in the words of Gandalf, has no memory of this place. Whether the cause is from her love of the halfling leaf or her consumption of Radagast mushrooms, we'll find out just how well her memory holds up. I'm a huge Middle Earth fan in general, so like, you're not gonna catch me really hating on many of these movies, even though some of them are definitely not as good as other ones. But I- I'm a big fan of this movie, and I'm really curious on the rewatch how you feel about it. Ooh, I really liked it. I mean, there were parts I was just like, oh my god, come on. Um, but I am a huge fan of Middle Earth as well. And the first introduction I had to Middle-earth was The Hobbit. I read it when I was in year eight and I was like, I am obsessed. And then the first movie came out for um, The Fellowship of the Ring that year. So it was just like a world I was never going to escape. And then the movies for The Hobbit came out and I remember just hating them so much. But I didn't hate this one. And it was the extended edition where there was just too much singing and that I didn't care about. Yeah, the I, I honestly, I know some of the extended scenes. Like I, I also rewatched on the extended edition. Um, and I should mention, I watched the 4K version. That's that's new that came out last year, and like, it looks great. Now, the one problem with the 4K version, though, and we'll probably get into this more later, is the CG does not hold up well in this movie. Like the the cutscene or the no, uh, they the graphics, don't. essentially. You can tell, like, but my God. It's Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's Middle-earth. It was just, it's exciting either way. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, so let's start at the beginning. What did you think about the introduction with like the dwarves and the un- and the Arkenstone and the unleashing of smog? I liked it. I love that they took the time to lay down that history. I didn't expect Frodo to be there. That was a good cameo. Yeah, I realized they were essentially picking up where Lord of the Rings starts, essentially. Yeah. I love that. I, I th- it's very similar to the book. They explain the history. You know why they're going on this journey. It's awesome to see Gandalf again. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I was a big fan of seeing, for the whole movie, but in general, the beginning of the movie with the dwarves. Uh, you know, Gimli is great in Lord of the Rings, but, you know, after the first one, he kind of becomes a walking punchline. And that was oh, kind of like, yeah, that was less, the- less interesting as a character. Right. And yeah. so like seeing them actually be tough and strong and, you know, the reason you would have dwarves accompanying your ring bearer was interesting. Um, I thought it was great. I, I also really like the beginning with Smog. They they don't show him at all. Like they do. You see a dragon, you see a tail, you see fire, but you never really see him, which I know they hadn't designed him yet by that point when they did the movie. That was part of it. But oh, that I was didn't know that. 
Yeah, that was a really like it was interesting though. It was like really intimidating factor of like not seeing this this big evil creature that's just destroying everything in its path. Yeah. Yeah, they had uh, Benedict doing the um, green screen, whatever it's called. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I loved the scene where it was looking over the dwarf mountain, the lonely mountain, and then you see the kite in the shape of the yes. dragon. Yeah. That was so cool. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought it was really funny when the dwarves came to uh, to see Bilbo um, and the way they ate and all of that, but they're all like really ugly except for <laughs> yeah. Thorin. Yeah. They're just like, come on. Well, Thorin and uh, and Feely and Keely, like the, the, the heartthrob, the boy band characters exactly. of the dwarves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is so very much what movies are like. Like you got to have the couple characters that well I mean those are the three characters that really get your heart in the book as well yes so I can yeah they have the most to do them more appealing so that people can subconsciously relate to them and like them a little bit more from the beginning and then the impact about what happens later on would just you know hit a little bit harder yeah I'd say those three for sure are the main well maybe not so much I think it's Feely um less so him he gets a bit less to do as the three movies go on but he's still there doing stuff the other, the fourth one I'd say is probably Balin. And I think yeah. they gave him a bit more to do because, you know, Moria and, yep. and Lord of the Rings yep. is in good connection. So yeah, that's good though. Yeah. They, they all have a pretty good personalities. I mean, there's like what, 12 of them, I think 12, 13 dwarves. So like, yep. They needed a not- team. Sorry. There's 12 dwarves, Gandalf and Bilbo. And the burglar Bilbo. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, you're not going to get a person out of all of them in this movie or a really strong personality, but that's fine. They get a good handful of them going and enough to, to put heart into all the dwarves and make you care about them. Yeah, for sure. I I really enjoyed the way that they came up with the dwarves, the way they introduced them. Yeah. This this movie definitely was very close to what I imagined as a kid while reading the book. And I don't want to be that person, but I will be that person in that case. But when you fall in love with a book and you build this world in your head, all you want is a movie to meet the basic expectations of what you built in your head. And like Lord of the Rings definitely did that and surpassed. So there's a couple of things that I'm like, mm, I'm sure. Yeah. Being Gimli and the way they changed his personality, like in the movies versus like how he was such a badass in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hobbit, at least this first movie really stays true to that, to the point where when I was watching it and they were, Actually, I'm not going to say it. I don't want to skip ahead, but so many funny things just popped up and I was like, I'm so glad they played it so close. Yeah. And and like speaking of playing it close, uh, what did you think about the first song in the movie? The, the Dishes song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hilarious. They're clearly uh, jokesters and I love how they do that. They're these fighters, these warriors. They have so much pride, so much ego, but at the same time, they know how to have a good time with the simple things, which is like food, music, and they love it. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, you just said it, but also the Misty Mountain song is probably one of the highlights too. I think maybe, I mean, maybe not the whole movie, but it's a pretty great point for the, for the dwarves, I guess, like just showing the, um, the solemnness, I guess, of, of the, of the gravity of the journey they're about to go on, I think is really good. Yeah, I I love the Misty Mountain song. I remember it just really hitting home. And from the beginning, you understand why they have to go on this journey. Yeah. And it's a solemn, uh, like heartbreaking song, but it's pretty great. And I thought that entire scene, 
at Bilbo's place was just really, really well done. It was exciting. Sure, some things like, you know, dragged out a little bit, but I'm impatient and I've got ADHD. So I'm just like, just move on already. But it was really good. It set the stage really well. Yeah, I was going to say on a first watch, it's like, oh, this is cool. I'm getting introduced to everybody. It's, it's setting it all up. On a rewatch, it's a bit slow. Uh, you know, there's a lot of dwarves introduced, a lot of personalities to get in there, but it's still good. I mean, it's well written. The dwarves are well, everybody's well acted in it. And yeah. Obviously, we, we kind of glossed over Gandalf for some reason, but obviously Ian McKellen coming back into that role and you don't even blink. He's right back there as Gandalf and does just as good of a job as he did in Lord of the Rings. Like love Ian McKellen, love the way he played Gandalf. Just, you know, the thing about this movie, though, is I've only seen it once. And the only time I saw it before this was at the theater when it first came out. So I recalled nothing. The only thing I recall from watching these movies was there's a character that pops up in the second and third. I'm like, I think there's a couple, there's a few, they build a whole world that didn't exist before that. Oh yeah. We'll get into that in the next movie. That's for sure. All I had was this feeling that I had about the series and I came in and I turned it on, started watching it thinking I'm going to get bored. I'm going to put like, you know, my phone on, just like pay half attention. But it wasn't like that. And Ian McKellen plays like such a big role in being able to just grip you with the way that he works. And so seeing him from, you know, from when he knew Bilbo as a, as a child and he saw an adventurous child in him and then just like, being sneaky and putting the sign on the door that was awesome that that immediately like grips you because you're going to be like what is he doing and what is he looking for yeah Gandalf he's very mischievous in this movie which I really like it's like a side you don't I mean you do with the fireworks and the kids and Lord of the Rings and stuff but you know it gets dark and grim real fast in Lord of the Rings so you kind of get the serious side the whole time but I was gonna say we also kind of glossed over Bilbo I mean by the time the intro is kind of done I'm like totally with him he's going on his adventure he's catching up he does a really good job of bringing his own element to the Bilbo character but also feels like he's gonna turn into Ian Holm later on he's a really good actor and I think you see that in The Hobbit you didn't see see it in a lot of other things because of that typecast piece you just feel like he is the characters that he's previously been playing fun fact I remember being obsessed with the Sherlock Holmes or Sherlock the one with Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch and just being really annoyed that both of them had these commitments to the Hobbit and we couldn't get our next season of Sherlock and by the time the next season came along I had already lost attention and didn't care about the show so at least we got the Hobbit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He definitely does a great job. I think all the actors, like, I mean, there's really no, there's definitely no poor actors oh, no. in this movie or anybody that no, drags no, no, no. it down. Um, one note I did write down I thought was kind of funny was, you know, when Bilbo runs after them and he's like, you know, I'm going on an adventure and he catches up. I wrote down, uh, Bilbo catches up and then the movie starts. Just because like on a rewatch, you're just kind of like, all right, when is this going to actually get going? Yeah. I also couldn't tell which parts were extended and which parts weren't. So I assumed some of the ones that dragged out into like music or pointless pieces were the extended ones. Oh God, I can't wait till we get to the Rivendell part. Yeah, we'll get, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, we'll get there. But I think, yeah, there's a few Shire moments. Um, I think you're right that are in the extended parts, but you said, you know, you first saw it in the theater. So did I, I I like the extended version. I think they get just like the other Lord of the Rings movies, they get better. The extended versions uh, in each one, they add more, better detail and context to the story. I think these ones are kind of just putting stuff in. 
So, okay. So moving on. So I, I really like the scene where they're camping. It's like right after they all leave and they're camping on the cliffside and, and Balin goes into the whole story about Thorin's past. And I'm just curious how you felt about that whole scene and his past and, and that kind of storyline. The battle where, where his, uh, is it his father or grandfather? Grandfather, I think that uh, dies. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't really care for it. Um, I just thought that, I don't know. I just was just like, okay, we get it. We know why they're going on this journey. The the whole craziness in the family or I guess mental health issues that are running through the family is pretty cool as an idea and trying to figure out why it's there. But I just, that scene, I couldn't, I could barely remember until you said it. And I was like, oh yeah, I did see that part. Didn't stand out to me in any shape, way or form. Yeah, there is something I loved about it, something I hated about it. Uh, what I hated about it was Azog the defiler oh altogether? I, hate I really him. hate the yeah. I really hate the add-on of him. I just like your movie has such a good story already. So it's it's paced well, and then every time it moves to like Azog doing something, I'm just like, all right, like I don't I don't need this. Like it's honestly particularly bad at the end of it, but like we'll get there. Oh my god, scene. yes. Yeah, the I will say the part I did like a lot was like Balin telling that story, yes. and then like everybody's asleep when he tells it. And then by the time he's finished, everybody's like standing there, like totally like enraptured by this yeah. story of Thorne and, and him being the true King. And I thought that was yeah. really well done. He's, like the whole character just was a ugly, not an addition that was necessary to be quite honest. Like you said, v- very plain, like very like, by yeah, the book and such villain. a typical, I'm like, yeah, I guess there's nothing to add to that. It's just such a typical type of villain boring also the cgi around him was really bad so it made it very uncomfortable mm. but very much just a orc like it's just who they are yeah it's funny because if you think about lord of the rings like the the urukai um lurts that's the, that's the real oh. name of the urukai that like you know yeah. shoots yeah, boromir yeah, yeah. and and then like fight Aragorn. like that guy's in it for like 10 minutes and he's he was way more... scary though like he legitimately yeah me. that's right uh, and this one, they like tried to build that up and you're like, yeah, no, I don't think yeah. so. Like, we'll yeah, pass. it just doesn't like you. I think you said it perfectly. The storyline is already so good. Why are you muddying it with something that's unnecessary? And I guess they needed to make their three movies, dude. Like, got to make their three movies. Well, we see we see a lot of that in the second movie, a yeah. lot of additions. Um, I do like after that scene, there's a part where <laughs> Bilbo says to he's asking Gandalf about the wizards and he's got a really funny line where he says are the other ones powerful or are they more like you which was really funny to get Gandalf but um he met Gandalf talks about the different wizards like Radagast the Brown and Saruman and I love the line where he talks about the two blue wizards where he's just like oh I've like forgotten their names because like in in, I think it's a similar and that goes into it a little bit they went east and like Nobody really knows what happened to them and they don't really have names in the book and stuff. I just love that little reference to, to fans yeah. of the Rings. I love um the whole Radagast scenes. I loved having him in the movie. I loved seeing another wizard. I was hoping that he would play a role in these movies and he did because he was always a highlight. But yeah, you're right. That line did make me laugh as well. Um, but Gandalf is just such a great character, how he responds, how he runs with it, how you see his vulnerability in moments. And it's so powerful. I'm getting goosebumps now because whenever I see a, a Gandalf scared, it's like, that's scary. Now I'm worried. I disagree a bit on Radagast. I like 
the idea of Radagast a lot. There are scenes in this I like with him. I just thought he he reminded me too much of Jar Jar Banks in some of these scenes. It was far too cartoony for me. Like I know the whole movie has cartoon elements. It's goofy. The dwarves make silly jokes. Stuff happens. It's also but like the Hobbit is a kid's book. Well, yeah, but then you look at some scenes later on, and like there's like people getting decapitated. There's like people getting like gutted essentially. Like, and it's kind of like where's the line here? Like I don't understand which way we're supposed to be going here. But I do like like the part I didn't like about him the most was kind of his design, I guess. Like the bird poop was a little much yeah, for me. I didn't expect it. the bird poop. I didn't expect the bird poop. Right. But I just I like the character. I like that he's a good wizard, that he's so caring and he um is so in touch with nature. There's just something about that that's always so endearing. I do like, I agree. I do like the animal aspect and like he's a friend of animals. I like that a lot. I like the foreshadowing with the spiders in Merkwood. Oh, yes. I, I love that. They're, you know, they're, it's a great scene. So like there, there's great stuff written around him. I just don't really like the portrayal of him, I guess. And just like, there's even a scene later on where he shows up to give them a message and like, there's just a weird goofy part where he's got a bug in his mouth and he can't remember the message. And I'm like, why is, why is this, who's this for? I'm just very confused. Like why we're, He's not, he's, he's not a character. He's not a big character at all, at least in my recollections from even the Silmarillion. Like he's not, he's not really a big character. So I see him as just like a means to an end. Like we need something here. Let's add a character. And like, we know there's other wizards. So let's make an appearance of one sort of thing. Yeah, I think my my like for his presence is purely because we get to see another wizard that isn't Gandalf or Saruman. And he's different. Like, he's not, like, like right? Like, he's not just the same. And Saruman and Gandalf are pretty similar in kind of, like, their demeanor, right? So I agree. I don't like the rabbit slide. I will point that out. That's really silly, too. Oh, yeah, that was weird, yeah. I just think they went a little bit too far in him. But I do like the character overall. I think um, he's a good addition. He's a good addition. I also really like that uh, Saruman was trying to discredit him by saying that he was like uh, high. He says, on that, he says that about Gandalf too in Lord of the Rings. He says Gandalf's love of the halfling leaf clouds his mind. So he's very anti-drugs. We know that about Saruman. But I thought that part was hilarious because I wasn't expecting mushrooms. No, like I wasn't yeah. expecting that, and I just cracked up laughing. Um, but just you can see, you can see Saruman plotting and it's really cool, but also you hate him so much. He's so good. He's such a great, great actor to make you hate him that much. Yeah. Well, the late Christopher Lee. Um, he Did you know he auditioned for Gandalf? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's the only one of the entire cast to have met Tolkien, like I've known him at some point. Yeah, I think I think I've heard that. Yeah, he gets to be in some pretty badass trilogies, you know, obviously Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but he's such a great actor. Really enjoy almost everything that he's in. It's kind of wild to look back and think like you have Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee like playing opposites as like very like intimidating wizards, if you will. Like it's very, it's so well cast. Oh, they, they got the casting right at all times. Like I can't think about any character that I didn't really enjoy. There's maybe, maybe one arguably in Lord of the Rings, but we'll get to that later. We will. Uh, well, so my next part I want to talk about was the troll scene. I love the troll scene. But this is the thing I was waiting for us to get to here. 
Uh, I loved, loved the troll scene as a kid uh, or the reading that chapter. I loved, I honestly don't want to be held to this because I can't remember. You know what? Really not that great at remembering anything as people are going to get to know. It's your love of the halfling leaf. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, so as people get to know us, they'll know that I don't have a great memory. It's legit part of having ADHD. It's really hard to remember anything because I just don't pay much attention to anything to actually remember it. But I'm pretty sure the chapter in the book about the trolls was called um, Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. that's right. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then I love that they made that reference in the movie after the troll scene. Oh, yeah. So I loved it. I loved that, you know, Bilbo, like, tried to save them and he did it so well. I love how dense they are. They're so dumb that they couldn't tell that he was pretending to, you know, hate on them and that they're going to be disgusting to eat. Love that scene. So fun. Yeah, I have to agree. I really, I, the Hobbit's interesting. When I, when I first went to see it, like when it was first coming out, I'm like, how do you make a movie that's somewhat, at least somewhat true to the book? And I think this one does a pretty good job on that. In a world where you've already made Lord of the Rings, which is like ultra serious for the moment. I mean, yeah, it's goofy. There's, there's jokes and stuff like that. There's comic relief, but it's altogether pretty serious. People are dying. It's sad. It's dramatic. There's high, high, high stakes in that. So going into this, I was like, how are you going to do the troll scene? Like, how are you going to do songs in this movie? Like, I don't know how you pull that off. I think they did a good job in all of it, including the trolls. I think um, having these intelligent trolls that clearly have been alive a long time. I thought, you know, they go into the, the troll treasure trove later of the cave. And there's like all these really old like relics and weapons from like previous ages and stuff, which I thought was really, really cool touch. Sting, Glamdring, Orcrist, like all this stuff. Gandalf standing on that rock and cracking it so the sun can come through. That is different from the book, though, if you remember right. It is different from the book, yeah. But it's still pretty epic. Oh, it's awesome. It looks great in the movie. It's one of the best parts. I think, if I remember right in the book, is it Bilbo that like can, like keeps them up until dawn? Is that what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they he sort of did that in the movie as well, though. Yeah, it worked enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you can absolutely credit him to that. Yeah. Um, I will say, too, the part where they i think they have bilbo they're gonna eat him the dwarves like rush in and like that awesome awesome dwarf music play which is like i would put that up there with any theme in lord of the rings i'm like that is such cool music for these dwarves every time i hear it i get like so excited i'm like all right let's see what's gonna happen with these dwarves now yeah yeah the music was really good i guess who's the composer uh, gotta be howard short right like he did lord of the rings yeah 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 yeah. it's it's pretty great like music i don't think people realize how much music is a big big part of making movies really really good and the music in lord of the rings and the hobbit tone right it has to match yeah I was going to say too, like, this is obvious probably to us, but like, we should probably mention that these are the very same trolls that they see in Fellowship of the Ring when, when they camp there after, I believe, I think it's after Frodo gets stabbed, yes. I believe, right? Yeah. Which is a really cool build yeah. up. Um, I love, I love that we get to see that all the time um, where there's some overlap with what happens in Lord of the Rings. They're the same trolls. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. I like the, the stuff that they found the, um, in the cave. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And obviously Bilbo finding the ring. Well, that's actually further that's down, lighter, but, but yeah. yeah. The, the, the really cool thing about this movie that they, that I love 
which they did with the book as well, was keep that theme of why are all these creatures and weird things popping up and happening? This hasn't happened in a long time. You're right, there is, yeah. And the trolls being down that far, it hasn't happened in a long time. And so they're really building up to something. And they tell you that from the beginning. It's like, why is Smog like waking up and like why are people like afraid really like the the foreshadowing there's also rowdy ass says about the spiders he's like where did those come from like that's the where did those come from yeah Yeah. that's a good point i actually didn't catch all that together so what do you speaking of what do you think about the the fortress side story which essentially that's the whole the whole thing with the necromancer and and oh i like I like it because I think uh, they needed to somehow show in the movies like bad stuff is happening and this is an indication of bad things happening. Um, This is unnatural and it's leading to something bigger. I didn't mind it. I don't think it was like great to be quite frank, but it wasn't a bad addition in my opinion. I also like the idea of a necromancer and really, really ties into the, um, God, what are their names? Ringwraiths? Yes, the ring rates. I was going to say the men with the rings. <laughs> that, the are, ring that are rates, yeah. 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 Really, really ties into the ring race storyline, which is really cool. Yep, I agree. I, I I, mean, it's in the book too. They allude to where Gandalf was at some point because he does leave them in the book. I think there's more of that. And I think it's movie two um, where they dive into that more. But um, who knows? I'm going into this as if I'm watching him for the first time fair. now. All right. But uh, yeah, so they start they start talking about that in the first one, which is really cool. Um I like the build up. There's another scene later on that goes into a more that we can talk about. After this yeah. point, they have the the orc ambush, right? Yeah, so cool. I, I would say before we go into your opinion, I have to point out that this is the part of the movie where the CGI really starts to fall apart fast. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool scene. I wasn't expecting, we're talking about before they got to Rivendell, right? Right, yes. They're running yeah, because the there were two orc attacks, but one was before, one was after. Yes. So the one before Rivendell, I thought that was cool. I wasn't expecting Elrond to save them. I actually thought it was going to be, um, God, what's his name? Legolas's dad. Can't oh, remember his name. Thranduil. Yeah. I thought it was going to be him for some reason. Um, probably because they showed him earlier on. Different elves. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah, different elves. Um, but yeah, didn't expect it to be Elrond. Didn't even realize that they were close to Rivendell. Um, but loved, loved that scene because it was setting you up for them to get there. There's a point, it's funny you mentioned that, there's a point in that entire scene where Gandalf is like leading them somewhere and Thorin, uh, he kind of looks at him and he says, where are you leading us? And Gandalf like doesn't respond to him. And Thorin just gives this like knowing look that they're going to Rivendell, even though he's already protested it. And I thought <laughs> it reminded me a lot of Fellowship where Gandalf wants doesn't want to go through Moria, but Gimli does. And they have to in the end. And it just kind of was an interesting parallel of Gandalf being on the other side of that situation of not like wanting to go somewhere and having other people not want to go there. Thought that yeah. Was I mean, and to be fair, though, it's it's natural because they are dwarves and the, the others are elves. Like there's that natural tension between them. Whereas the reason that Gandalf didn't want to go to Moria was because he was probably sensing that something tragic had happened there. So that, and probably wanted to spare Gimli the pain of seeing it. And probably also sensed that there was the Balrog there. I think, yeah, I think he knows about the Balrog. I mean, I don't think he'd seen it up until that point clearly, but I think he, he knew of the, the talk or the legends of it. And I think, I, I think he knew enough to know that 
uh, Moria probably wasn't safe. I don't know if he knew exactly yeah. that it wasn't, but I think, um, yeah, like you said, he, he knows well enough. He's been around the walk. Gandalf knows what's up. Gandalf knows what's up. That <laughs> should be the name of our episode. Should be a t-shirt we might have to print. But um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, we're going to harp on the CG a little bit in this movie. But like, I do know these these movies were it's made so on a... Bad. It's it's pretty horrible. Oh, there's especially a part coming up. But they, they were made on a timeline, like a, a pretty short timeline. We know that they're originally going to be two movies. They got forced to do a third movie, which is where a lot of the inserted plot that doesn't really work when the next one comes from. But so I, I do get it. You can't see me. I'm shaking my head because I think it's ridiculous to ruin the story because they needed to make a third movie. I totally agree. And, and I think everybody who's seen these would mostly agree with that. But it's yeah. it's too bad. But we, we will cut it some slack for knowing that that's what our boy PJ had to, you know, figure out on the spot, essentially. Are we going to talk about what happens at Rivendell? Sort of. There is one moment I want to hit before that, which is with our with your favorite character, Radagast. Uh, I think the wargs, sorry, the rabbits outrunning wargs is one of the silliest things in the entire movie. I think that is so dumb. It's very, <laughs> it makes it's you're not wrong. It makes it makes no sense. I also but he's a wizard. Yeah, but he's like, oh, these are Roscabel rabbits. All right, they're still rabbits, and these are like wargs trained to hunt and kill things. Like, I don't, they probably eat rabbits every morning. Like, I don't understand why these rabbits. But he's a wizard. All right. Can you not suspend belief? I, I think I suspend a lot of belief in this movie for the sake of this I mean, movie. You have to suspend complete All belief. All the belief is suspended. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think but he's a wizard. <laughs> you sound like the guy from Harry Potter. He's like, he's a wizard, Harry. Or you're oh, a wizard, Harry. The, that was Hagrid. Right. Oh god, Harry Potter. Uh, it's too much controversy around Harry Potter. I wonder if we should do it or not, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um yeah, we so uh, one other part about that was it didn't make a lot of sense to me why the orcs chased him. I'm like, aren't they after the dwarves and not a wizard on a sled? Like they know the dwarves are here, that's who they're tracking. Why did all the orcs chase this rabbit sled? Maybe I don't know. I'm going to throw out some theories. A, could he lead them to the dwarves and to Gandalf? Um, he's magic. How can we use him? I don't know. Like, but then they have Saruman, but mm-hmm. we don't know that. Well, they yet. don't have, well, they don't have Saruman yet, though, right? Like, we'll no, get, we'll get to that no, point, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're at your favorite part of Rivendell, so we can dive into that. Yes. Okay really hated the food scene hey how rude they were really did not like that what are you like hated that scene hated that scene hated that scene it made me so uncomfortable my mom would just backhand me if I ever misbehaved in any shape or form at a dinner table and that was very uncomfortable for me it was just like didn't seem like such a nice thing because the elves were welcoming despite the tension between these two uh groups and you they just like don't appreciate it i thought that was not cool it's on trend the elves are always welcoming right uh they walk they pretty much it's funny actually they welcome everybody like literally all the humans in in fellowship of the ring all the, the dwarves uh you know the dwarves are rude to them threaten to kill them i think at the council of elrond like they're not great. They're not uh, known for their hospital or their uh, their manners, I should say, under hospitality. Yeah, I, they're not. I didn't. I didn't mind the parts of the food scene. I thought it was kind of funny when he's like, "I don't eat green things." Um, I thought yeah, that was know, funny. There's a few and, uh, funny lines. 
Philly and Killy, I don't know which one, but one of them uh, hitting on the girl and then the joke around it being a guy that was dated though, which I thought was like really dated. like not PC. I was like, oh, now we're making fun of the store for finding a man attractive. Yeah, that's actually a thing I wasn't expecting to Me pick either. up on yeah. in the movie. Actually see some dated references because technically the whole Lord of the Rings is dated. Uh, that's a completely separate very long discussion that's like yeah i'm not equipped to go into all that that's for sure but like yeah totally like it's it's from a different time and, and that's the problem though is like not that's not an excuse but it is what it is right and so like the hobbit being expanded upon these movies like lord of the rings followed the books right like yes they omitted some yeah. stuff they added a couple of yeah. things the I hobbit right the hobbit largely these three movies add stuff because they have to like they to to meet a quota of three movies so I'm not surprised some stuff that's more relevant to like current modern culture yeah. would, would slide yeah. into it. You know what I mean? And it doesn't. That was, was very blatant though. That's it, like, it honestly threw me obvious. off. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't like it this. It just wasn't on trend. It was uncomfortable. With the rest of- yeah. 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 But, um, I mean, it's good that we find it uncomfortable. It means we're growing as human beings as a society, but yeah, really didn't like that scene for a lot of reasons. Yeah, there was like some funny like lines from them. It wasn't that great. Thought it was rude. I will say I really liked Bilbo and Rivendell. There's the scene. I honestly, I forgot that he, yes. for some reason I forgot that he goes back there later. And I was watching him like, man, this is nice. He's really soaking it all in. He's looking around. He's really enjoying it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, he comes here later. Like this, you should set this up. And then there's yeah. that great moment with Elrond later on where Elrond just says to him, like, you're welcome to come back anytime, essentially. And I love how that's not over they kind of honestly blow this a bit in the third movie with being way too on the point with certain comments that we'll get to in the third movie but this one they didn't it just felt like it was a nice moment that you can call back to later when you're watching that movie it wasn't very it wasn't in your face wasn't hey nudge nudge like you can come back anytime bilbo and he looks at the camera you know none of that i think it was the moment that bilbo realized he actually was enjoying his adventure yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'd look at it that way too. Because he he hadn't, he never would have been able to see Rivendell if he wasn't on this adventure. And despite the bad things that have happened already, like he gets to see this beauty and you can tell in that moment he was appreciative of it. And also like Rivendell, just absolutely gorgeous what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's funny because like, yeah, the CG is not perfect, but it's not supposed to look real. You know what I mean? So it kind of gets yeah. away with it where you're just like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine if it looks too ethereal, too fantastical. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of ethereal, Galadriel. Real quick, before we get to Galadriel, can we just talk about the fountain scene in the extended edition? Oh my God. I was not expecting to see dwarf <laughs> butt. Well, you, you didn't. Not... You saw bad cartoons drawn of dwarf butts <laughs> is what you saw. I was not expecting that. All I can see is like potatoes. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it is hands down the worst scene in all of these movies, all six of them. It is by far, and it's an extended edition scene, which further baffles me. Why you would choose to put this in the movie after the fact was like so, it's a scene with the dwarves dancing around the fountain, jumping through the water, playing games. They're all naked. And it's just like, and the joke is that, oh, look at the dwarves being silly and Rivendell and not being elf-like. And it's just like, they and I look, feel like I had already made that point. Right. It, it looks terrible. It doesn't yeah. really suit any of the characters. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? That scene was so unnecessary. 
it was such a bad scene in every possible way. It wasn't even a funny joke. Like it was like, it wasn't funny. It was annoying. It was annoying. Yeah. They really got annoying. Um, that like on brand sort of misbehavior or lack of better for lack of better terms really got annoying. Um, but I want to get to Galadriel. Galadriel. Go ahead. Hey, Punchette, man. Aussies. Perfect I casting. gotta love him. Oh, she's Australian? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's she's Aussie. Um, obviously, I yeah, love my Aussie. Aussie, Aussie pride. Yes. Oi, oi, oi. Um, but she's such a great Galadriel. She's so ethereal. She's so bloody white. Like right. she's so- yeah. But to be fair, I do think that in Lord of the Rings and in, in The Hobbit, there is this discomfort that um, all the good people are generally white. And, mm. you know, even when there was the battle at um, in the third movie of Lord of the Power Rings. Fields. Yeah, like the bad people are always the dark people, the dark yeah, skin sure. people. The yeah, books, from the East, yeah. Tolkien, yeah, and from the East. And Tolkien makes a reference to that in the book as well. So it does make me uncomfortable to see that the, like white people are generally painted as the good people in these movies. And like, as a person of color, it is obvious to me because I have no representation up there. But that aside, she's a great actress. Uh, she does Galadriel really well. And that scene where she was talking to Gandalf and, and seeing Saruman there, but how she was talking to Gandalf, that was pretty epic. Like I was like, I would have goosebumps if I was seeing this for the first time. It didn't occur to me until I was rewatching this scene that Gandalf and Galadriel are never together in Lord of the Rings, right? They you, yeah, you only meet either. yeah, you only meet Galadriel after Gandalf falls. You know what I mean? And I it, it has good weight in Lord of the Rings, but now seeing this scene, you're like, oh it is really like, it's it's almost more jarring now when that happens. Gandalf, when he shows up, is like, he says, it's been so long, you haven't changed, but I have. And like, really makes cool. you feel like there's been a lot of years since they've been in the same room. And I, that was really well done. Um, yeah, I loved Galadriel in that scene. I really love seeing Saruman in that scene. I know we touched yeah. on it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, getting a chance for Gandalf to interact and converse with Galadriel. Saruman at the early stages of his corruption was really great. Like such a great addition. Yeah. It adds so much more weight to all those characters in Lord of the Rings and the whole situation. Um, I know they do more with Saruman and that kind of corruption in the future movies, but I just loved seeing him basically naive at this point. Like I don't, I really, it doesn't, it didn't come across to me as he was already corrupted. It was just him making poor judgment call. I think it was starting to, we know he had a palantir at this point. So we know he's been trying to look and that's, I don't think he knows he's corrupted. I think it's the best way to put it yet. I don't think he understands what he's doing yet. I disagree. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, we're seeing Saruman after he's decided to take this path. Because he's so he's so obviously trying to tell Gandalf that Radagast is untrustable, like uh, untrustworthy, um, that this is a stupid thing that they're doing. What's in it for him other than like making sure that they don't gain the stronghold in the Misty Mountain because it's important that he's able to continue his mission with Sauron. Like it's... To me, it felt like as I was watching that, I was like, oh, you can see the evil right now already. Yeah, I still saw it more as him being naive and stubborn, which is how Gandalf kind of paints him when he talks about him in Lord of the Rings. It's more, I, I think like he dismisses Radagast as being a hermit, which to be fair, 
he is. Uh, he doesn't. He's not super concerned until this moment of what's happening with Gandalf and the other wizards. Mm. I, I think one of the things I liked about that entire scene too is Gandalf realizing, and, and you know, Gladwell kind of talks to him telepathically, which is really interesting too. But like, you kind of really realize the burden that's on Gandalf at this point, where it's like yeah. he has no help. Like all of the wizards are lost in some capacity it's just him that has to like carry the burden of saving middle earth without directly taking the ring or directly getting involved with whatever situation yeah Yeah, which i thought was such a great setup yeah it's a great addition to the movie i think gandalf is a great character we all know gandalf is who saves middle earth it wasn't anyone else it was his but yeah Sam, I mean, Sam, Come on. but Sam wouldn't be there if Gandalf didn't tell him, don't leave Frodo. I think to go back to this point about Saruman, I do think he was evil. I still think he was at that point um, because Galadriel chose to communicate to Gandalf telepathically rather than say it in front of Saruman. And I think there's just too many for me, at least, or maybe it's just the knowledge of what's coming, or maybe Christopher Lee's just such a great actor that his foreshadowing is so good. But I, I guess this is why we have these conversations, right? Yep. I do think he was aware of what he was doing in that moment. Yeah, I, something you said there actually made, kind of reinforced my thought on that too. Was that like Galadriel talks to Gandalf to say like all oh, the dwarves have left, and you know, kind of like, but it, if he had fallen or got corrupted by that point, I feel like Galadriel would have known that, and she would have told Gandalf that. I think she he's just a knew. Wizard. She's Galadriel. She's got yeah, a ring. He doesn't. I, she he like doesn't. right. Uh, so I think like he's got the power of Sauron with him. Uh, not yet. Don't forget, he's trying to. He he thinks he can get power from Sauron at that point. I think I I just don't. I don't know. This is obviously my opinion. I'm sure somebody out there knows Lord of the Rings better than us, and will probably have a oh, hell stronger yeah. opinion on this. But the I just thought like it was more. Galadriel, I agree with you that Galadriel knew Saruman wasn't the one to go to, clearly. Yeah. I think she more just sensed that he was definitely not the right person. And clearly Gandalf is for so many reasons. And she would know that. So it was more like, all right, there's no use getting used, getting getting to Saruman at this point. I'm going to share with Gandalf because he's the only one that's actually going to do something. Whether, whether Saruman knew what he was doing at that point or not, I think there's a lot of references, though, or enough references to Saruman just being too ignorant and too too like complacent by that point and that's how evil grew around him right yeah yeah i just think that maybe maybe you can say i'm right it's all right yeah i don't know if you're right though i guess i'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who would become evil and i don't know (laughs) consciously become evil for the sake of being evil i agree and he may want more this so there there is definitely an argument for he was going down the path of more power or you know Mm -hmm. trying to somehow get away from this image or this reputation that he's naive and, and 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 young and stubborn and then ends up moving down this path and then before he knows it he's evil but like there's just too much that's happened in the history of middle earth not be able to consciously say this is Sauron and if I get into bed with him it's gonna go bad so th- again that's why I think he didn't know he, what he was doing like he thought he had like Gandalf has a great line in Fellowship of the Ring uh I think it's pretty sure it's Fellowship maybe it's two towers where he says like no it is Fellowship when he meets up with Saruman and Saruman takes him prisoner but he says like 
you can't use a Palantir. They're not all accounted for. We don't know who has these things. So I think naively Saruman thinks, oh, I'm I'm the head of the wizard order. The the is it Maiar? I think they're called right. I, I'm the, yeah. the most powerful wizard on Middle Earth. I'm fine. I can handle this. And he's just so yeah. naive and stubborn. And that's what happens. I think either way, we're both arguing the same point of how much depth it adds to Saruman, and yes. that's what we really like yes. about it. The rock giants. Thoughts on them? Oh, so cool. I thought like. I thought it was so cool, but the fact that they survived. Yeah, <laughs> they get crushed. It's like another fun. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was like a great sort of idea. The CGI also wasn't that great, but because it was dark, it didn't matter as much. But I just was just like, okay, there's even with suspending all belief in these movies, how are they still alive? So that part was annoying. I, I thought it was fun. It's one of those scenes where like, I'm like, well, they're just going to skip this, obviously, because it's kind of too ridiculous yeah. and it's too much of a side thing. And like, nope, they yeah. did it. It's I did it. I, I do like what it leads into, which is obviously them in that cave. I like the moment um, yes. after that point, and I forget which dwarf it is, but the one that has the conversation with Bilbo about his home, like that, how they have to do this to get their home back and oh yeah and bilbo understood that yeah well he leaves at first and then he decides you know what they're right like i you know i'm here to like help you get a home like that's you don't have a home to go back to like i do right um yeah i thought that was a great little scene one of the best i think in the movies um and i love the obviously the the segue of that scene into goblin town yes that was really good yeah actually was it it was fine i'd say there I like some of it too, but I also thought there were some problems with that scene. Tell me, tell me what you found problematic. Um, the song was weird. I, it's funny because it's kind of like catchy and goofy, but it, you, know, you like that song? Um, no, I no. also thought it was weird. It was just kind of like, uh, it's very short and out of nowhere. And I get it. It's a song in the book. They're all songs in the book, but it's kind of weird to do a couple songs at the beginning of the movie, stop all of them, and then do one randomly at the end for 30 seconds or whatever it was, a minute or two. They did the the um when they were having dinner with the elves it was really short though oh well. yeah that was more akin to like mary and pippin singing on a table though right that was just a tiny little yeah uh, yeah, yeah, shanty, yeah if you will but yeah kind of weird uh goofy the the big goblin king i didn't i i do like the goblins like yeah the cgi doesn't hold up well but i liked how like i don't know like tiny and creepy and swarmy they were i, I thought oh that was different. I just really found them disgusting. That's what I liked about them, though. I think there was this the thing about the scene that was like both, you know, I, I like the transition to such like a cool, potentially cool idea. I thought the idea of being with the goblins was cool. Um, you don't really get to see goblins in Lord of the Rings the way that you saw them uh, in this scene. Mm-hmm. The king is disgusting. The way they survived was also like ridiculous, but I also really enjoyed that. I thought it was really funny. Um, I liked seeing how they got separated yeah. from Bilbo. Yeah, that was good. That was really cool. And then obviously the introduction to um, what's his name? Gollum. Was to Gollum was pretty epic. Is there something you want to talk about the goblins or can we talk about the introduction to goblins? The only thing I was going to say about the goblins is the Goblin King gave me serious boss Nass vibes from episode one of like just a oh, weird, yes! Creepy, like, yeah. yes! So I was thinking about, I, I made like the Radagast Jar Jar joke and I thought of that when I was watching it. And then like when I was watching that scene with the king, I was like, oh man, this is like boss Nass. And I'm like, oh no, like these are why I'm getting like bad flashbacks here. 
Yeah, yeah, that no, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about that in the movie, but definitely can see the parallel right now. Just like the mob boss personality, like right, yeah, yeah. Fat gut that there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a gut or being fat, but the way they portray them as just like really horrible creatures. Yeah very very similar in those movies but it's i guess the type of character it's essentially like you can't like, you can't like the character yeah. like that's otherwise yeah. yeah i was also surprised by how big he was in comparison to the rest of the goblins and i had this thought when i was watching i was like are they so dumb that the bigger you are the king you become like is that how it how it is with the goblins because they're portrayed as really really dumb I don't honestly remember Goblin Town very well from The Hobbit, but I would have to say it's probably one of the only scenes in the movie where if Tolkien was on set, it wouldn't have turned out that way. Yeah, no, I don't remember if this was in the book. I just know that Goblin... There are Goblins. I just don't think it's this. But there's a song too. That song is in the book. And also because when they escape, they also miss and like the scene where Bilbo can see them and they can't see him as they're escaping. That's in the book as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there, yeah, it's definitely some version of it. I don't think it's just this goofy, but like you did say though, I actually really like the scene where they're um, escaping and using like the, the terrain. Yeah. It's fun. It's like, it's so it's fun. and it just shows you how dumb they are, but also the goblins reminded me as you're talking right now, a lot of parallels with the clones. They're just really bad at aiming. Yeah, they can't do anything. They're really they bad at doing stuff. one thing. Yeah, they're just really bad, very easily killable. It was just a fun scene, and it just continued to showcase the uh, fun that the dwarves like to have as they're doing. They're, they're mischievous. They're, like, funny. So it's part of who they are. Yeah, I, so Gollum. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's... I... There's like so much, but also nothing to say with the Gollum scene because it's perfect. Like there's really nothing you can change with it. It's exactly as it appears in the books. It's exactly yeah. the perfect right. build up. Okay. Right. Like Bilbo and him do their riddles and he Gollum is just as awesome as he was uh, in Lord of the Rings, uh, as impressive as he was too. And like, yeah, it's a great scene. I think the moment you mentioned when Bilbo can see the dwarves and they can't see him when he has the ring on, but there's also the moment where Bilbo can see Gollum and he's about to kill him. And of course he doesn't. And, you know, it's that great callback to Gandalf and Fellowship of the Ring saying it was pity that stayed his hand. And then he asked Frodo, like, you know, if you, if you, or could you take life essentially? Um, and that, and not only is that such a great line, but watching that in this, I was like, oh, this is such a great moment. Like Gollum's fake, obviously he's a CG creature, but you, they do such a good job with the emotion on his face. Like all the time is so well done. But also yeah. like uh, Martin Freeman, like just that whole scene of like the you can see the pity, like as he's as he's you know looking at he doesn't know this, but a hobbit essentially, somebody that used to be him, and like yeah. I love that scene. I think it's just so well acted. I mean, he's acting against nothing. I mean, I'm sure you know uh, Andy Circus in a mocap suit, but it's still like yeah. very he's not there, so it's interesting. It's well done. You see that streak with Frodo as well. That compassion right. that they to have a fault to a fault. And so it clearly runs in the family to a certain extent because Bilbo fought harder than I think Frodo did to a certain extent. Like he was, he was more ready to jump in and fight. At least that's what we saw. But then again, like Frodo couldn't on his journey, he needed to stay hidden. So there is that part. Yeah. I love the riddle pieces. I love the look on Gollum's face when he noticed or he realized that Bilbo could possibly have the ring in his pocket when he was looking at his reflection in the water. That was a great scene. Like that moment was awesome. Watching 
Bilbo figure out that the ring made him invisible or that he was invisible, not that he had made the connection between the ring and that yet, was pretty epic as well because you couldn't tell that he had figured it out yet until he had figured it out, which was when he takes the ring off and exposes himself to the dwarves. Yeah, I wouldn't say it like that, but I know what you're saying, yeah. I mean, like, sort of, you see the confusion, but you see he gets it, like, when he took it off because he wanted to be a part of the group. Yes, right. There's that great scene where he has a choice to just leave at that point, and, you know, Thorne's yelling about how he obviously deserted them, and, you know, next thing you know, he's right there. Love that scene. I love it, too. And, like, let's move into that scene because I think... The first of all, there is that scene. So Bilbo shows up. The dwarves are looking for him. Gandalf doesn't know where Bilbo is. They think he's dead or gone or whatever. He's abandoned them. And then obviously he takes off the ring and you know, puts him right here. And then I believe Thorin kind of gives him gives him some guff and is like, you know, like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And then I think Bilbo also gives that speech there where he says, uh, you know, I'm here to help. You don't have a home, and I do. And that's I want to make that sure you beautiful. get it. It's a great speech. It's such a great, in my opinion, climactic moment in this movie. And this is where my main problem with this movie comes from. It should have ended here. You should have had your whole goblin escape, Bilbo getting the ring. This, I'd say a better scene with the Goblin King dying. It's so goofy and over the top. I don't like it, but do a better scene with that. Like maybe a big climactic battle with your dwarves. Great. And then do your speech here. And that's great. You've done your first movie. You didn't need to bring in the Azog or however no. you say his name. They really no. bring him It just drags it out for another like 25 yeah. minutes or something. And it's just Azog shows up with his wargs and just attacks them. And we're like, we just finished a scene like this. We don't. We, you know where else it could have ended? Just with Thorin's life being threatened, but without Azog at all. Like he could have just like, we don't know. If right. He's yeah, that's like, true that too. Yeah. Cool. So, so Azog shows up with his doors, Thorin. He taunts Thorin, so Thorin just goes to fight him and loses. Uh, and then and that was so dumb. <laughs> like Thorin big. is not that type of fighter. Right. Also, it's so out of character for him to just like go fight him that way and then die. Like, right, get like ripped apart. Also, almost. if they wanted to kill Bilbo, he would have been dead. Like it would have, yeah. That scene well, was that's, so annoying. It's the problem with Azog. Like, there's so many scenes with him monologuing and standing there like a classic villain and giving a speech and killing a henchman for fail. It's just so like diehard esque, where you're just like, we, yeah. we don't need this. We don't need. There is already an underlying evil. There's already an underlying storyline. You just had a Goblin King and a swarm of Goblin armies that was threatening, and they, yeah, they're goofy, but they're also scary. Like. They were trying to eat them. Yeah. And like, you've done that part and Bilbo almost killed, or sorry, Gollum almost killed Bilbo. You have that, like you have two endings already and we don't need a third. It could have been one movie. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna be the tagline for this series. I think it should have been two. I agree with two because I, I like this one. I think this one altogether is mostly pretty good. Like it's pretty tight for what but it if is. If you remove some of the stuff in this one that weren't necessary, you would have a three hour typical middle earth movie that hits all the points in the books and tells a really good storyline you could remove azog you could remove the necromancer pieces you okay with the necromancer oh, though like that's in Sorry? the book right the necromancer's in the book yeah. so i'm okay with but them you can, still, you can still remove things that are in the book that don't necessarily that's true that's what lord of the rings did good like, point yeah yeah like you could remove radagast and he was in the book because like even in the book it feels like he's just there to continue the storyline to a certain extent um, so there are things you could have removed and they remove things from the books as well. So again, 
could have been two, but in my opinion, could have been one because the book is short. It doesn't have that yeah. much to like, require two movies. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, the book also like what the Battle of Five Armies is like three pages or something. So it does didn't need to be yeah, three hours. I'll tell you that, but it, it didn't. You know, I, I do like a little bit of an extension on that. Battle of Helm's Deep was just like took forever in the movie books. Oh yeah, it's pretty detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The one thing I do like is the eagles, obviously, and I like the flame. Oh, the flaming the acorns eagles. from the book is pretty great too. Um, but you could have, you could have had the goblins leave the cave, and then like dawn was coming, and they had to like, you know what I mean? Like they could have just done all that the same way with the same creatures. But anyway, we don't like Azog. That's our opinion. Um, what to wrap it up? What is your favorite part of this movie? Um. Oh, I think my favorite part in this movie was that scene in Rivendell where they had uh, Elrond, Galadriel, Saruman, and Gandalf. I love the way that it played out. I loved seeing all of those people in the same place. Like they are huge characters, whether good or bad. Seeing them interact like that, I don't think we had seen that before. Um, so it was really cool. I also really love the way they made Bilbo like Martin Freeman was really truly a great actor in this movie he played the character really well so I think those those two parts like really hit home for me yeah I think I'll leave it there yeah uh it's my exact answer too I love that scene I love all the acting in it. I love how it gives you great context on these characters and, and like introduces them into this trilogy but also by proxy, this makes the entire next trilogy more interesting too, by having them all in yeah. it anyway, like Elrond and all of them. Um, yeah. It's just so well done. It doesn't feel inserted. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like someone's like, oh, it's just, and that happens in the second movie with some characters. We know that's coming, but this one did not feel that way at all. It felt like it was right. adding to the story. Oh, yeah, it did. It really did. It, it was a great scene. Yeah. It, I will add to you just mentioned something about Bill that that jogged my memory something i noticed a lot in this movie is there's a lot of shots intentional shots of him just in his face in the background like him he, like listening to a conversation and i it, i thought that was a really cool way to show the whole like hobbits can go unseen or they're they're not really noticed and like he's just in the background learning and listening and i thought yeah right and i thought that was a really just something i caught this time through that i'm like that looks very intentional the way they just always yeah. have him in the back and they cut to him and he doesn't say anything, doesn't even react to some of it. They just cut to him here and there. But it is his story. He is exactly right. So it is intentional. Um, and you're right. I actually never noticed that, but I do notice how he, they always sort of lose track of him, yeah. which reinforces yeah. that idea that he's a good well, burglar, even though he's actually doing dumb stuff i was gonna say there's that scene in goblin town where he literally just drops to the floor and nobody notices that he was yeah no know. they don't notice him yeah, which is awesome him. yeah i mean he works both ways it means he's either gonna die yeah. and then seeing gandalf's like concern when he thought bilbo was gone that yeah, was really that's good yeah what's uh what's your worst part of this movie i think like we're gonna have the same answer but uh, every scene that azok popped up that's in. literally, literally just... what i wrote down yep just like, like just such an annoying part of the movie. Yeah. I didn't want to watch those parts. I knew like for some reason, I couldn't remember a majority of the movie, except that he was going to be in it. And I was not lo looking forward to oh, it. He's in the next one too. So get ready. I know. I know. He didn't die yet. Thorin was the one that was about to die. Apparently. Yeah. Um, so dumb. Leave that till the end. Okay. Gonna leave it at that. So overall, I think we both really like this movie. I, um, I think yes. of the Hobbit movies, I'd say I love this one. I, I I don't like the other two as much, but I don't hate them. But there's 
Oh, definitely I more to say I about them. them. You hate both hate of them? them? Oh, excellent. Yeah. Actually, I can't remember because I went into thinking this one I hate as well. But I do remember walking out of the second one from the theater and being like, yeah. I don't know why I watched that movie. And I remember not watching the third one in the theater, just like weeks and weeks after it came out. I was just like, fine, I'll go watch it. Yeah, I remember the CG still doesn't hold up well, especially in the second movie. I remember that. Um, and I remember I, I have a lot of problems with the plot in the second movie, but we'll get there for this movie. I think we're on the same page for the most part. We both really like it. We're actually pretty aligned in almost all of it. It sounds like, I mean, Rowdy Gas yeah. might be our only real contention point, but outside of that. He's so cute. Yeah. I don't know. He's so cute. Yeah. With the bird poop. And, you know, it was cool when he was yeah. like helping some hedgehogs, but whatever. Uh, but then he did some like dark magic. No, he was sucking the dark magic out of it. Oh, that's okay. what he was doing. That. They were infected yeah. with whatever that was and he was taking oh, it yeah, out of them. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's where the spiders ran away. Because they said Oof. they sensed that he could fight them or something like that. That was my interpretation yeah, at least. Definitely didn't show up like he could fight them, that's for sure. Well, he's got a slide of rabbits to run away from, so that's good. He's a wizard. <laughs> you can't just say he's a wizard and that's the answer to everything. That's it. The answer. So, Abir, where can they find us? Where can they reach us? Where can we get their feedback and their comments? Yeah, if you want to send us some feedback, if you want to give us some suggestions, you can find us on Twitter at The Rival Reviews. That's with an S at the end. You can send us an email to rivalreviews2021 at gmail.com. And so you can go to our Twitter and you can see our email contact there as well. Please keep it civil. We do have feelings, I do at least, Sam, debatable. Yeah, so we're launching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you're listening right now is where you're going to find the next episodes. So definitely, you know, follow, subscribe, whatever your platform asks you to do. If there's a notification button, make sure you're hitting that, and you will definitely be getting our next episodes as soon as we launch them. Thank you. Bye. Bye.